Amen. Amen. The notes for this study are found in the 34th Psalm, if you will turn there. And at the same time, if you will thumb a couple of pages over and find the 56th Psalm, which I did not know when I started studying for this was a companion uh, psalm of this written at the same time of the same historical occasion. Once you find that, I'm going to ask you to turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 20. And we're going to read the historical setting. So we have three scriptural references. And while you're looking for that, I got to tell you this, uh, because I'm, I'm sure there's some people here that have had their 50th wedding anniversary, some maybe even more than 50 years. But uh, this uh, older gentleman and his wife were celebrating their 50th, and he was feeling like he wanted to say something romantic to her. So he said, and, and she was a little hard to hear, and he had to talk loud. He said, you know, after 50 years, I've found you to be tried and true. And she said, what? <laughs> he said, after 50 years, I've found you to be tried and true. <laughs> she said, after 50 years, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> Sometimes you never <laughs> Not that anybody who's been married 50 years would ever say that, but that's, you need to get the, the hearing straight. Okay. Uh, this is very important that we just read this a little portion in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15, because this is the historical setting that uh, is the background for this psalm. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another him of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before him, and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Now, I want you to imagine this. This is King David, the giant slayer, who's kind of afraid of this king. And, you know, let's say he's being chased like a coon through the woods by Saul. And uh, actually, I don't think it was a bad idea, but, uh, well, we don't have time to discuss all the ramifications of this psalm, but this is what he did let his spittle fall down on his beard, just kind of dribbling like he was uh, mad. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, this man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought me to him? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So anyway, David gets away with uh, that particular distressful situation. Now, what I find very fascinating is the words of the 34th Psalm. But before we read them, Turn over to the 56th Psalm, which was also written about the same situation. And the reason I'm having us read this first is because it kind of has a little bit more of a repentant, contrite spirit rather than, <laughs> hey, I just got away with something. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I've, I've read commentators about this. And by the way, you know, I've been forgetting to tell you every week, Ron Baker has been helping me on every one of these studies. So, uh, 
if you've enjoyed any of them, it's probably because of some of the information, some of the uh, content that he sent me. Before I started this study, I told him I was going to do it. And I would always ask Ron, I'd say, every time I talk, I'd say, Ron, is there anything I could do for you? You need me to go to Costco? For you? No, no, no. You know, his daughter, his kids come over. They get to go to Costco. Uh, Ron gets out. But uh, the last time I asked him, a couple of weeks before I started this study, he called me back later that day. He said, Paul, there is something you could do for me. I said, what, Ron? He said, let me know the Psalms that you're going to teach and let me help you with the research. I said, well, hot dog. I mean, that's, that's like saying sick him to a dog. You know, uh, he's going to give me material. So anyway, he's been, he sent me a bunch of stuff. And uh, so anyway, I've been using that. So that's why you've been enjoying it so much. So Ron Baker, I love him uh, so dearly. Uh, when I first came to church here, I wasn't here for, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks. Jim Carso was my first contact. And, and when I first came to the pastor's Bible study and Ron was doing the, uh, he was the moderator of the study after that, he, he just made me feel so welcome. And, you know, as a former pastor, you don't get that much. You know, you, you, you kind of feel like a pork chop in a synagogue sometimes. You know, you just, you just don't have that welcome feeling, you know. Uh, you know, you, you got the stink of ministry on you, and other people think, well, you know, either he's going to try and change. Anyway, look at the 56th Psalm. This is after, right after this historical situation we just read. This is the word of the Lord. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will trust, I will praise his word. In God I will have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Now, you see, as you're reading this, you're keeping in mind, you know what he just did, or, you know, not, you know, what, what was the inspiration for this? Scripture is so amazing. If you just know a little bit of the background of some of this stuff, it'll, man, it just turbocharges your, your Bible study and just, it, it's like going from black and white to color. It's, it's really just like in the middle of Wizard of Oz. You remember that when it just went from black and white, whoa, <laughs> Some of us remember when color TV was just a new thing, and whoa, that was, that was far out. So, but this is better. <laughs> okay, verse 5, every day they rest my words. That means they twist, they pervert. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Now, that's good. Uh, I think it's great. All scripture is great. All given by inspiration. But uh, the main purpose of this study is the 34th Psalm. But uh, as I was reading this, I'm, I'm reading so much about the reference, which most people don't know. I didn't know it. But uh, 
we learn something all the time. Now, to look at the 34th Psalm, this is where we're going to spend at least some of our time today. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What is man that he desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they shall hate the righteous, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Amen. The word of the Lord. The grass withers, don't you know? The flower fades. But the word of the Lord endures forever. I never get tired of hearing that or saying it. So, good to see you this morning. Next Sunday starts a whole new series. Dr. Skates will be starting a series on stupidity, of which there is no shortage of material that he will be drawing from. Uh, looking at contemporary culture and just how bizarre and ridiculous. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, but I won't be here next week. I'm, I'm going to be preaching at that uh, Presbyterian church in Yorktown, which is in between pastors. And I was there a couple of weeks ago. And for some reason, they want me to come back. So uh, <laughs> they're hard up for, uh, <laughs> for people to fill in. So anyway, I had a great time there, and I'm actually looking forward to it. So this 34th Psalm, uh, you remember I told you we're flying? Well, we're flying even faster. There's so much here. And this is the frustrating thing about trying to take a loaded Scripture passage. Even if we just looked at the first four verses, I mean, that would take up uh, uh, the whole amount of time that we have. But to try and cover everything here is, is, is going to be a challenge. So we really are flying uh, on the board. If you like uh, things that are written out, maybe this will help you. Uh, the psalm is split into two sections. Verses uh, 1 through 10 are declarative. They're declaring truth. And verses 11 through 22 are descriptive with instruction. And in this chunk between 11 and 22, there's a, uh, a parenthetical wisdom passage, which is, which, which is not, I mean, the Psalms, even though they're in the genre of poetic, 
it's also called wisdom literature, and uh, all scripture has wisdom for us. But there's something about uh, uh, this, uh, the way it's laid out. There's something about every psalm, right? <laughs> you hear me say stuff like this all the time. I just, yeah, I'm a Jesus freak. I just, I love the word. I love the Lord. And uh, I love what he's done for us. And, and studying and getting into these passages just kind of makes it more what it is. That's what the old country boy said about uh, water. It makes it more what it is. So uh, we already read the background. Uh, this is an acrostic poem. Now, this doesn't mean anything to us. But if you were a Jew and looking for a mnemonic device, you know what that is? Uh, something to help you memorize things. Each of these verses, and it's not precise, there's a couple, there's one wa, uh, which is a Hebrew letter, which is missing, and there's two pays. Uh, so it's, it's not like A through Z, but it is Aleph starting and then going down to the last letter of the Greek, of the Hebrew alphabet. You remember which one the last letter is, uh, Dr. Skates? What's that? Vav, I think so. Okay, we'll just go with that. They don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so I forgot. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's, for our understanding, it's A through Z. So they would, they would have this mnemonic device. The first verse begins with this letter. Then they know the next letter. You know, I remember one of my precious memories growing up. My father, who was a precious godly man, grew up in a Christian church. His father was a godly man. One of these, I'd like to tell you how his father got saved, how he came to faith. It was, it was great. He, he was a former Catholic and man, the priest blackballed him from the pulpit. <laughs> have nothing to do with those cashers. So <laughs> that's a great heritage that I'm kind of proud of, <laughs> that my grandfather was kicked out of the Catholic Church and blackballed by the priest in public. So it's <laughs> one of those things that us Protestants kind of like, like, like to brag about. But my father, growing up in a small, I think it was some kind of Church of Christ, and, and it might have even been Slovak. It might have been uh, in the Slovak tongue. But uh, he also grew up with uh, a mnemonic, uh, uh, alphabetical thing to memorize. He had a verse memorized for every uh, verse of the alphabet. And uh, the first one, which I think was one of my father's favorite, and it became one of my favorite verses, was Proverbs 15 and 1. A, a soft answer turns away wrath. And if there was anybody that lived according to that verse, it was my dear old dad. And I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the older I get, the more I, I become like him. I'm still working on that one. Uh, because, uh, but it, it, a soft answer, turning away wrath, will work like magic. So, anyway, you know, be ye kind one to another. You know, uh, uh, all of these verses, he'd go down A, and uh, I mean, they even had one for, for X-ray, you know, and I forgot what the, what the one for Z was. But Anyway, the same way, these, uh, this Hebrew psalm, which is a Hebrew hymn, it's made for singing, it's made for praising, uh, had this mnemonic uh, device, so it would be easy to memorize. So David here magnifies the Lord and exalts his name because he answered his prayers, provided his needs, and delivered him from trouble and protected him from danger. You know the danger that he protected him from. He's in the hands of a pagan king. And David, even though David was, you know, quite the warrior in his own time, you know, there are times when people in situations of war are at a great disadvantage. And this was one of those times when David was at one of those and, uh, you know, for him to do this thing, you know, there was some commentators, and pardon me if I keep jumping from side to side, but there's so much I want to tell you, and, and, and I may not get through it all, 
but some commentators say, why, why, why do people like this uh, psalm so much when we seem to be exalting in David's fraudulent, deceptive behavior? I, I don't see anything wrong with what David uh, did. Uh, you, you know, to be as wise as a serpent and, and harmless as a dove, sometimes you've know, you got to do stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, but he was being deceptive to this pagan king. So what? I don't have any respect for pagan kings. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, I would do the same thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind that. So anyway, there are people that have looked, but that's why the 56th Psalm is the companion, the one that goes along with this, because they feel like it balances out uh, more contrition and, you know, you, it, it, it's more like we see David uh, asking for forgiveness. Okay, Lord, well, you know, I had to do this and I was deceptive, <laughs> but I'm praising you and I'm giving you all the glory for getting me through this thing anyway, which is how we ought to look at any situation. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you try to get past a speeding ticket by using something like this and then come to church and say, hey, yeah, uh, yeah. sometimes it may work, but uh, sometimes... Uh, uh, it may not. And, and besides, it's not something that we come to church and brag about. Yeah, I, I told that cop I was late for church. And, uh, and, and, and maybe you were. But you really think about it. It's a bad testimony. You know, that cop will say, well, you're a Christian. Couldn't you know you shouldn't be speeding on the way to church? Yeah, but... And then all the buts come in and it's... Uh, yes, but, but, but nothing. Tell it to the judge. So, uh, we have... Uh, a, a, a logical, for those of you who like outlines, verses 1 through 10, we have a call to praise in the first three verses. He tells how the Lord answered his prayers, verses 4 through 7. And he urges them, or in our case, us, to experience this same goodness of God. Uh, and 11 through 12, that's the description with instruction. He tells us to learn, and then the rest of the chunk of the psalm is about instruction. Now, you'll notice the star by verse 8. I'm getting ahead of my notes I'll go back. You know what? Before we get to verse 8, let's just consider uh, uh, the first four verses that are sung in churches today. Has anyone ever heard the first four verses of this song, a psalm sung in church? Has anyone ever heard it? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. Okay, a couple. Just a couple of you have heard it. But if you haven't, well, take my word for it. It's real. And uh, it doesn't sound anything like probably how they used to sing it. But uh, anyway, I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, anyway, it is. As my wife and I are devotionally reading through the Psalms, and I'm remembering, as I'm reading through the Psalms, how many choruses we used to sing that are based right out of those Psalms. And uh, it, in my old church, I used to announce them. I'd say, turn to your Hebrew hymn book, which is the book of Psalms. It's a Hebrew hymn book. And... Thank God we have the English translation because uh, you don't want to study Hebrew. Uh, <sighs> that was one of the worst experiences of my life. It was, it, was, it, it was like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It felt so good when it stopped. Oh, it was, oh what a relief. It was, it was really a relief. But, uh, boy, it was hard. But I aced it and uh, forgot most of it now, but I aced it then. So... The older I get, the better I was. So, uh, the words of, uh, or these words here, they depict total trust in the Lord. And you know, really all that we teachers do is restate 
and tell you what it already said. But there's something of, in the repetition. You know, I, uh, uh, one of my homiletics instructors would say, a good sermon is you get up and you tell them what you're going to tell them. Then you tell them. Then you tell them what you just told them. So by, by repeating, that's why you could remember a Toyota commercial from 30 years ago. <laughs> why? Because they told you. You remember the guy jumping up? Whoa, what a feeling. Yeah, you remember him. That's like 30 years ago. <laughs> He's still probably driving the same Toyota. <laughs> Whoa, what a feeling. And, you know, so we hear these things over and over again, and it gets ingrained like an earwig, you know, an earbug, and you can't get rid of it. Some of them are really annoying, but, oh. To get this in your heart where you hear this all the time. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be my mouth. This is the stuff you want replaying over and over. Especially if you're going through something. And if you're not going through something, you will be going through something. As long as you're breathing, there's a possibility of some trial, some situation where you're going to need to trust in the Lord. And you know, I've heard people say, repeatedly, Christians that are going through something, and they would ask the question, why do I have to go through this? My neighbor doesn't even go to church. He doesn't have any problems like this. Why do I have to go through this? Let me offer you a possible explanation. He's not a child of the Lord, or she's not a child of the Lord. The Lord's not trying to do anything in them. He is trying to do something in you. And therefore, we go through things Blessed is the man that endureth patience for when, not if, but when he's tried, you're going to benefit greatly from it. You say, well, my neighbor's a heathen and he, he doesn't, they don't go to church. They, uh, they're just covetous and idolatrous and here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord. Why do I have to go through this? So I have asked people when they would say that, why not you? Why can't the Lord use you? I'll just use my friend Rick here. Why not you? What's wrong with you? Aren't you a faithful servant of the Lord? Why can't the Lord use you as a, an illustration like that? To show people, hey, this is what it's like when you're going through something. I can persevere. I can hang in there. I'm going to make it. That makes me feel better. So I hope, it, hope some of it spills over on you. So in verse 5, I sought the Lord. No, that's verse 4. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. There's something, uh, again, keep in mind what David just went through, why he wrote this. And he says, their faces were not ashamed. So even though David might have done something that was kind of deceptive, you know, in, in a time of war, he was doing something that, uh, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not going to make, make excuses, but I'm not going to fault him and say, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that. We probably would have done the same thing. Even if you don't have a beard to dribble down on, you can still drool and, you know, maybe get by with something uh, if need, need be. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord. We've heard this before. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Angels of the Lord are not some generic uh, angel or, you know, you've got one and you've got one. But it's a messenger sent for a specific purpose to whoever of God's people that may need it. And this phrase here, he encampeth or pitches his tent for the purpose of that defense. I still remember Ron's testimony at an airport or something when you think you had an encounter with an angel. And uh, 
I'm glad you're shaking your head. I was, I was going to say, but that, that had a, a, an impact on me. And uh, because I think, we think, my wife and I think that there's been a couple of times. Uh, I used to be a street preacher. Yeah, I was one of them weirdos. I just, uh, I, I didn't have a church. I had preach in my bones and I, so I, I preached on the street corner. And uh, there were times when I, I, I had some pretty interesting uh, uh, things that happened. And one time, I think we had an encounter with an angel in lower Manhattan. This is right. In a, I, I, I grew up there, but I got saved down here. I had my radical conversion. But uh, one time I, I, I was up there in a, uh, right near Wall Street, very busy, people just running everywhere. And, you know, it's, it, it's not really shocking for someone to be on a stand and just start screaming. But for them to start screaming scripture and telling people to repent, that's a little bit more unusual. But we think, I think, that there, and, and it's been more than once when I'm, I'm wondering. And when we get to the other side, I wonder if I'm going to see these people. And the Lord's going to say, yep, I had you back. Or, or something like that. And it's, it's quite thrilling uh, to the fact that there is such a helper as the angel of the Lord who doesn't just come and sprinkle a little pixie dust on you, but he encamps around or he pitches his tent. I'm going to stay here till the thing is taken care of. That's just thrilling to me. Now, I told you there's a star next to verse 8. Some commentators think that this eighth verse is the hinge pin or the main focal point of this whole psalm. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. We love the uh, graphic uh, phraseology of tasting of the Lord. Uh, one commentator, uh, this might have been Albert Barnes, or it might have been a different guy. It really doesn't matter. It's all, we're, we're glorifying the Lord, not those who are expounding them for us. But uh, he says, this, this doesn't mean a sip or a nibble but it implies feeding on the Lord through his word and experiencing all he had, has for us. It means knowing him better and enjoying him more. And for a scriptural New Testament reference for people who like those, I do, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, where Peter writes this, Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Isn't that good? Come on now, isn't that good? <laughs> Pardon me if I have a little spasm once in a while. I just, I just, I, I get excited. Um, I like it. Oh, taste and see the Lord. How can you not like that? It's just, it's, it's just... God is so good. And uh, man, why do you get so excited in church? I don't act like this in fo football games or, or basketball games. You know, some people, blah, they just, <laughs> I get excited in church. That's, that's my thing. Uh, you know, sports heroes, they're here one day, they're gone tomorrow. The Lord is always the same. And every day with Jesus gets sweeter than the day before. And you can say indeed or amen or Whatever you like. So, uh, now, I told you that there was, a, uh, there was a, a, a wisdom section, which is uh, in between verses 11 and 14. Now, uh, 
what we're doing when we study any passage of Scripture, we note the genre. We're in wisdom literature, poetry, Old Testament, all the historical things that surround this help us to interpret it properly. And what we're doing is analyzing sacred, inspired literature. That's what it is. The Lord has chosen to use literature to uh, communicate with us. A word that endures forever. And the amazing thing about Scripture is that even though this section here that we're reading, written 3,000 years ago, is just as pertinent, just as up-to-date, just as right now what I need as uh, anything else that you could find. Probably more than anything else you could find. Yet, isn't it ironic that people will go to some fortune teller or some shaman, some witch doctor, some, uh, uh, some, some medium, some, some person who's in touch with the other side, and we're, we're plainly told in Scripture, don't even go there. Don't even uh, consult familiar spirits. Uh, but people do that because they don't have faith and trust in the Word of God. You put your faith here, you won't be disappointed. You taste and see how good he is, and you'll be, you'll be satisfied. So look at this, uh, this uh, wisdom portion of this uh, literature here, sacred literature, where he says, it's almost as if it's parenthetical, kind of like, you know, he, he's going through, it's largely a psalm of thanksgiving, but then there's this little parenthetical in parentheses, he's got this piece of advice. Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And by the way, when you read the phrase fear of the Lord, it has nothing to do with fear and trepidation, oh, I'm afraid. Fear of the, word of the Lord, as it's used in, in, uh, throughout Scripture, really just denotes a reverential respect. It's a good thing to have fear of the Lord. Now, there's other people, you know, the heathens outside, well, you know, too much fear. You know, somebody, I grew up in church, always scaring me with hell. Well, you ought to be scared of hell. I mean, if you're not, there's something wrong with you. You know, but, and, and if people use these lame excuses. I'm going to go to church because all, all they want to do is scare you. You know, a preacher wants your money. So, uh, you can keep your stinking quarter, man. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The church of the living God is going to go on just fine. He can rain money. He can rain gold out of the clouds if he wants to. He prefers to use the faithfulness of God's people. But anyway, we have the fear of the Lord. We have reverential respect. This is what David is trying to teach us here. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? That's a rhetorical question. Who of us would like to live a long, fruitful life? You don't have to raise your hand if there's not something wrong with you. All of us would like to live a long, fruitful, healthy life that, that we may see good. Here's how you do it. Here's the wisdom. Here's the advice in the wisdom section. Look at verse number 12. This is the tough one. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. You remember last week we looked at the 19th Psalm and the last verse says, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You realize what a hard thing it is because what's the easiest thing that we could do? Blah! Say something. And uh, when I was thinking about that 19th Psalm, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. And I've, I've had an experience like this several times. I thought, isn't that backwards? Shouldn't it be, Lord, let the meditations of my heart and the words, because aren't the things that we meditate on, the things that we say, don't we always think about what we're going to say? <laughs> Wrong. 
How often do we say something before we think anything about it? And it's out there and you, you wish you could grab it back. So here, David is saying to enjoy this good life many days and see good. Keep thy tongue from evil. We're told not to say shut up in church, but there are times when just nothing else will really get the point across. There are times when we just, man, just shut your mouth. And when I'm pointing at you, Tom, I got three fingers pointing back at me. <laughs> and I know I probably need to control my mouth three times as much. And, uh, you know, most preachers, I think, are like that because we talk so much and uh, you, you speak hours a week. And, and how likely is it that some stupid thing is going to come out? But when we're uptight, upset and angry, that's when you say the words that you wish you could get back and you can't. And uh, somebody, I think it was Benjamin Franklin. This is a good quote from Benjamin Franklin. He said, a broken bone you will recover from, but an unfit word that slipped out, you may not. Bones heal after a while. But how many people know, or maybe this is a personal experience of your own, something was said and people still are mad about it. I'll never forgive them. Well, that's a whole other message, but they need to forgive, but not everybody does. So the thing to do is to prevent that. And this is, hey, look, we're talking about wisdom. You want good advice? Here it is. Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Really, what endeavor in life is more important or significant than doing what's pleasing to the Lord. Chuck, can you hear me all right? Okay, good. You, because sometimes when I get quiet, I want to make sure uh, everybody... Rodney, can you hear me all right? Okay, all right. Because if I get quiet, it's uh, not my usual tone. But I just want to make sure that everybody hears me all right. Jim, can you hear me all right? Okay, good. All right. We want everybody to get their nickels worth out of this study. Now... Past the uh, wisdom section, uh, notice in verse 50, uh, verses 15 through 18, we have what is called in the study of literature anthropomorphic descriptions. Anthropomorphic is ascribing to an invisible spirit being as God the attributes of a man so that we can kind of understand him. And there are other uh, graphic descriptions where the Lord is described as, you know, I want to keep you under my feathers. That doesn't mean he's a big chicken, you know, but uh, you remember Jesus when he said, weeping over Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how, how I would have liked to take you, you know, like a mother hen, you know, under my feathers. So it, these are just uh, verbal imageries to help us to understand God is for us. He's on our side. And, and listen to this, verses 15 through 18, the eyes of the Lord. Does that mean the Lord has actual eyes? We're told those eyes are everywhere. They see everything. In the dark, doesn't matter. He doesn't need night vision. He's got pure vision all the time. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. This is something that God's people need to remember. And his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. 
The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken spirit and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. This is the type of thing that gets the Lord's attention. Broken spirit and a contrite heart. Now, there's one other thing here that I want to make sure I get to. In verse number 19, that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not a one of them is broken. Now, people in ignorance with their presuppositions will read the Bible and say, there you go, there, there's a mistake right there in the Bible. I'm one of God's people, I broke my arm. Says, no, my bones are going to be broken. Well, what about that, preacher? As if they're backing us up against the wall. And uh, it's pathetic how people will use such energy to try and discredit the Word of God. And because they have no training in hermeneutics or exegesis, they don't know what those things are. Uh, they may have never even heard those words before, and, but they don't know what they are. Uh, but it's the science and the art of biblical interpretation. We just don't rush into the Bible and say, well, this is what it means to me. No, and, and Ron Skates, well, this is what it means to me. No, it's, it, the Bible never means what it never meant. So we always go back. That's a, that's a fundamental principle of hermeneutics and biblical interpretation that will always keep you from getting off on a whacked out path. So let me read you some commentary from someone a whole lot smarter than me. And that's really what you want to hear. You want to hear someone who's a whole lot smarter than me. This is Albert Barnes. I believe Albert Barnes, you've heard of him, right? I believe he was a pastor of 10th Prez in Philadelphia, a big influential church, a great uh, mega famous uh, preachers, expositors, have been the pastor of 10th Presbyterian in, in Philadelphia. And he said this in his commentary, quote, this is about the verse where it says, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Quote, the language is of a general character, such as often occurs in the scriptures, and it should, in all fairness, be so construed. It cannot mean that the bones of a righteous man are never, in all caps, never broken, or that, or that the fact that a man has a broken bone proves that he is not righteous. But it means that, as a general principle, religion conduces to safety, or that the righteous are under the protection of God. Very logical, very eloquent, plainly stated. It doesn't mean, hey, there's a, there's a contradiction there. There are generalizations. There's general statements in Scripture. And I like his last line there. It means, it means as a general, a general principle, religion conduces to safety. You know, I think about when I was in the military, I, I broke my left wrist. I was in a car accident with a guy that uh, was in the military with me. And uh, if I was living right, I wouldn't have been in that situation. I would not have been in the condition I was in. He wouldn't have been in the condition he was in, which needs no further elaboration. But we were driving. Actually, this was on FDR Drive. My Coast Guard base was state, right off the southern tip of Manhattan. So we'd take the ferry. We'd go drive around Manhattan. We're driving up FDR Drive which goes up the uh, east side of the city alongside East River. And uh, there was a guy dead stopped in the middle lane. There's three lanes right there. And we're driving old, like 63 Rambler or something. There were no seatbelts in that car. This is before, you know, they, they had mandated seatbelts. 
So he hits the brakes. I put my hand on the dashboard. He hits the medium, swings the backside of the car over. He slides out of the driver's seat. Anyway, the only reason I'm telling you that is if I would have been living right and making wise, prudent decisions under the direction of the Lord, that bone would have never been broken. There are times when we have to admit it's our own stupid actions and the fruit of those stupid actions which have caused us to be afflicted with some of the things that we've been afflicted with. And man, we could take up a whole lot of time talking about stupid things that we've done that we shouldn't have done, that we wouldn't have done if we were living under the fear of the Lord. And now for something completely different. Apparently not many of you people have heard that statement before. Uh, we're going to try something today that uh, we've never done before. And uh, I told you before that this psalm, the 34th psalm, has been put to music. And I brought a guitar player with me, with his guitar, and we're going to sing it for you, if you guitar don't mind. Guitar player very loosely. That's the loose translation. Singer even more loosely. This is not singing. Now, you know, one thing I love about this church, everything is done first class in this church. The music in the traditional service, perfect. The music in the modern service, perfect. That Callan's got a voice like, a, like an instrument and everything. Please don't expect that here. What you're going to hear now is what the Bible calls a joyful noise. I'm glad that the Bible calls it a joyful noise. And for your uh, involvement, if you would like to be involved, I'm going to give each couple one of these. I only have 30 of these, so uh, that, that, that will probably be enough. Oh, thank you, deacon brother. Hey, can I have one of those? Yeah, thank you. I don't want to forget the words. <laughs> that, that'd be bad. Now, what we have here are three psalms that have been put to music. The first one being, you want to go down this side? No. That's, that's okay. This is Rick Birchfield. This man was one of my musicians in my old church, and I love him like a brother. Uh, there's been many times when we had a song service in our church, just like what you're going to hear now. Uh, sometimes he was the whole music department. <laughs> there were times we had another guitar and, and other instruments, maybe someone on the drums, something else, someone on the piano, organ possibly, but there was a lot of times it was just me and him, and we had a good time, didn't we? We did. And people didn't leave. So. <laughs> now, these doors are unlocked. And uh, we're, we're, look, we're just going to sing. We're going to try to sing this one time. And uh, we hope you like it. And if, if you have a copy, you'll see Psalm 34, 1 through 4. And it's uh, we're in the key C or G. Okay. All right. Now, if you've ever heard choruses or music from uh, the Bible lands, they sound very peculiar to our ear, don't they? You know, uh, I, I was telling Joe Moore earlier, I was talking to him, I said, you know, it, it sounds like the, nah, 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 you know, the music you hear when you go to a falafel shop in Greenwich Village. You know, there's a, a very strange, bizarre Middle Eastern twang. Well, we sing it with an American uh, flavor to it in the key of C. Uh, all of the Old Testament, when they were singing this 3,000 years ago, they... Well, I can tell you what key they sang in. They, they sang in Asia Minor. <laughs> There's a little song leader humor there. <laughs> a Asia Minor. Yes. So, listen to these words, and uh, you have the words in front of you. We're not saying you have to sing this. 
we just want to bless you. And you can watch us make a joyful noise because we're going to enjoy it. We, we always do. And it's in this key right here. Look at the words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now that wasn't, oh, well, Thank you. Thank you very much. That wasn't, that wasn't too, uh, uh, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you very much. We'll just, we'll just put this here. Uh, you want us to sing another one? <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Now, everybody obviously doesn't like that type of music, but you can't doubt that this is a joyful noise. Isn't that happy? Doesn't that make you feel happy? You want to hear it one more time? All right, look, we're going to sing it, and then we're going to go, if you don't mind, we're going to go into the second one. Now, the second one is out of the 91st Psalm. It's a completely different tempo and everything, but it's all scripture. This is word for word out of the King James Version. And then, if you can stand one more, we'll sing Psalm 89, which is one you might have heard. I'll sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. So, from the top, we'll do this one again, and then we'll go right into the 91st Psalm. Follow along in the words, enjoy it in Jesus' name. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. And he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, 
I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. And with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. And with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. And with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. For with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Baruch Hashem Adonai. There's a little Hebrew word of praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that there is joy, joy unspeakable in the singing of praises unto thy name. And Lord, we pray that we would experience the joy through every hymn, every chorus that we hear and whatever service we're going to go to, Lord, whether it's one or the other, it doesn't make any difference as these hymns of praise and adoration are offered unto you. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing with joy in our hearts and we bless your holy name and we thank you for it all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Yes, sir. Yes.